Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 8. I am OwlScoop.com editor John DiCarlo. Got a full house today with the exception of Kyle Gauss, but... Sitting with me today, Ramir Vaughn, Declan Landis, Johnny Zwizlak. Really excited to have all these guys here with us. Got a great show for all of you today and this week, whenever you happen to be listening. Of course, we got a Temple UTSA homecoming football game to talk about. We're going to play the first four or five minutes or so of my interview with Adam Fisher. I was able to talk to him in his office this week to start talking some Temple basketball. They are about, I guess, a month out from the University of Maryland Eastern Shore opener. Very rarely would people get amped up to play Maryland Eastern Shore, but Temple kind of owes them because they lost to him last season. Not a highlight of the season, of course. So we'll talk some hoops. I have a very, very full mailbag to get to as well. Again, people still emoting off of Temple's loss to Tulsa last week. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans dashlaw.com. Before we even get to our famous number eights, we got some fun stuff to get to. Somebody had a birthday this week. Who was that? Jacob Satorius. Yeah, there's not a chance sure. you know who Jacob Satorius is. I know who Jacob Satorius is. Sweatshirt. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. It's true. Monday. Am I supposed to know who he is? No. No. Okay. Zero percent chance you know who it is. <laughs> is it because I'm old? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, guys, are you guys being ageists? <laughs> no, it's no. it's like, you know, it, it was not your time to know teen pop sensations. When in was the my time? When is my time? Are you trying to pigeonhole me into a certain time? Well, you know, your time is up. My time is now. <laughs> you can't see me. My time is now. <laughs> that was Thank awesome. You. There was no good way of getting out of that question no. except for that. 21-year-old Declan is... Uh, is uh, Little, uh, he's a little feisty, villain. a little bit feisty, but his yes, a happy birthday to Declan Thank Landis. You. Thank you. Celebrate his twenty-first birthday. Thank you so much. Are you playing the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Tell guys. us all. Tell us all about your birthday. Uh, it was a lot of fun. What we, did Johnny uh, Ramir get you? Um, like Johnny said, got me I'm a cheesesteak. I'm getting you lunch next week. Well, yes, Johnny got me a cheesesteak. Um, yes. You know, this is awkward, but what what did you get me? I'm going to keep it a bean, bro. I don't even know. <laughs> it's been a long week, brother. His friendship. He got you his friendship. Yep. He continues to provide his friendship, which is enough of a gift. Yes. But you being the materialistic, just... You ask the question. Person that you are. You ask the question. I know, but he did. You, just, you fell for it. <laughs> you fell for you it. For it. I, yeah. I, I do want to say... It was a test. You should have said Rymir and Johnny didn't need to get me anything. Well, I mean, they didn't, but you asked the question and I told you... I gave you an answer. But then you said, this is awkward. What did Rymir get me? What did you get me? Because I didn't know say. if I forgot. I didn't know if I forgot. Oh. You know what they did get me? They came home to my house this weekend 
you know, got to meet my family. That was a beautiful moment, getting to hang out at the, uh, the Landis household. But I thought this is Ramirez's second time meeting your family, right? This is his second time. This is Johnny's first yeah. time. Yes. Time. Can I talk about the workout picture? Were you guys actually Please lifting do. weights okay. on a Saturday night? I'll give you my perspective, okay? <laughs> so my, uh, my family. Wait, hold on. Before I lose this thought, to all of you who are listening, I'm volunteering this information. They send a picture to our group chat where you guys appear to be lifting weights at what, like 9.30 at night? No, later than that. Ramir is wearing his like like tank top looks like he's working out and Kyle said Ramir you look simultaneously 50 and 21 at the same time or something like that I think he's 15 like an old man he said 55 yeah. and 15 I want to we'll get to the workout in a second because I hey I applaud the energy I applaud the commitment to your health I take me briefly through through the weekend okay sure so you know we we left on Saturday after doing a temple preview day Mm -hmm. So we're in Annenberg and Johnny wasn't feeling very well. So we were nervous about him actually making it. Uh, mm -hmm. But he, I mean, he's running on fumes at this point. Yeah. As the visiting bat boy. Yeah. Down at Citizens Bank Park. And we told him, you know, you don't have to come like this is, you know, obviously it'd be great if he did, but like, we're, we're not going to put any pressure on you. You know, it's playoff Johnny season. Like we can't jeopardize that. But did he say, Declan, I'm dancing on my own right now. I have all the energy I need. Oh, Lord. No. <laughs> oh, Lord. That would have been corny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I've never heard Johnny say before, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, gosh, guys. Oh, man. So, anyway, so we uh, he picks us up from Annenberg in, in Ramirez parking lot, and we hit the road, and we go to Owl Scoop legend and friend of the program. Well, not friend of the program if he worked here, Caden Steele. We went to Caden's uh, apartment, uh, watched some college football, did some editing because no days off, and um, we got some, we got Grotto's Pizza for my Delawarean slash you know people in the area of Wilmington and the, so you the went Delaware to a local, beaches. As you're well. into supporting local businesses. Well, see, the thing is that Grotto's is very controversial. You know, people either love Grotto's or they hate Grotto's. So we needed to to get some outside opinions on. I don't it. think it's that bad. I like it. But when did you have Grotto's Pizza? How long has it been? As long as it been? Yeah, like probably when was the last time you years. had Grotto's I think pizza? probably the last time I had it was probably like covering a Temple Delaware basketball game down at the University of Delaware. Makes total sense. Went yeah. on Main Street. We were talking about that one as well. Shout out Main Street, Newark. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> to all our Main Street and Newark Delaware listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got... Those got Blue Hens fans, they like Temple podcasts. Yeah, absolutely, you know. I mean, why not? Mm -hmm. Support local media. Anyway, so... <laughs> We, we go to Grotto's, and the wings were actually, like, really good, and I didn't remember that, but the pizza was, like, fine. And then we, we go back to Caden's apartment. He takes us to this ice cream place, and then we go down to my parents' house and have a little bonfire, which mm -hmm. was nice. Did not expect that. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting in the backyard telling some stories and uh, learning some secrets about my siblings I did not know, which was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a good moment. And... Um, so they walk in and I don't know what they're doing. I think they're getting changed or whatever. And I'm sitting out there with my dad and my, uh, my youngest brother, Eli, and he's, you know, waiting for the fire to go out and we're all just kind of like hanging out and talking. And, um, you know, about like 15, 20 minutes later, it was a pretty big fire. 15, 20 minutes <laughs> later, we come back in and I walk in and I see my two friends, my two very good friends with weights in their hands using my my couch 
as a bench <laughs> and doing uh what would you call rows. that rows, rows. yes yeah. upright rows they're doing upright rows Ramirez in his tank top Johnny's just I said this guys. is in his parents this <laughs> is in his parents <laughs> living room yes. this yeah. is had they, has his room. parents gone to bed yet no no nobody had gone to <laughs> bed yet never Grind don't stop. You're that's right. <laughs> that's right. Not even for one weekend. No. Not even for one night. You said one yourself, night. Declan. Grind don't stop. I know. And you had texted something. You know, as as we know, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, and you had texted something about, um, you know, I really want Duke to win. Sorry, Declan, or something. And I was like, I took the picture and I said, Oh, is there a football game on? I couldn't tell because. Mm-hmm. You know, my TV room was being taken over by these two Turned to a gym. who yeah. found right. the weights and started going ham. So, which, by the way, Rymir did the same thing over the summer as well when he came to, oh, to yeah. my house. He, he found the weights and started lifting. Don't don't leave weights in your house or yeah. we'll find them and start doing a workout. <laughs> I will, man. I'm telling you. Oh, so man. these were weights that you didn't bring these weights with? No, you. no, 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 that's kind of crazy. Portable weights <laughs> in movies when the parents. Uh, where like can leave? I drop these? I mean, I could carry them the whole time that's if you really want. I don't. I don't need to put them down or anything but you know in movies when like the parents go away for the weekend and they're like don't go in the liquor cabinet don't do all this it's for Rymir it was don't touch the weights please (laughs) (laughs) that part I didn't know I saw the picture yes I was watching Duke Notre Dame and I've never rooted for Duke in anything but I'm a I'm a not a fan of them but hey I'm I'm, I think Mike Algo's done a great job down there watching the game and then yeah that's the next thing I know Getting pictures of uh, you guys working out. Yes, and the other thing, too, was Johnny's assignment was get embarrassing pictures of Declan. And half of the pictures he sent in the group chat, I had to tell them where they were. So. Okay, <laughs> half is a maybe a little bit extreme. You told me the one. No, there were there were by, definitely By the three. Christmas cards, you told me there was one. There were then three. Then I found the other two on the fridge. No, there were. Mm-hmm. And then I, I found the one in, in the TV room. I told you about that one. And then Kyle sent a horrifying picture of me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. he has. He's, he's, accumula- saved he's accumulated. Scary, oh, He's accumulated awkward pictures of me, and uh, they will never be shown on this podcast because there's no visual element to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> unless we tweet them out. Nope. Oh, nope. No, I wouldn't do that. Got nope. a YouTube channel. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you had a good time. Johnny, are you, again, are you running on fumes at this point? Uh, I think I was last week. I think now that it's like the playoffs, I think mm-hmm. there's like this kind of rejuvenated energy where like, I wake up every day and I'm actually like really excited to go now because it's like oh like it's the playoffs like like they're long days because like, I'm I'm there like 14 15 hours each day there's a game but like like I just I don't know like I, for a little bit there like Declan mentioned I was sick and then it just kind of went away like right when the playoffs started I don't know what I don't know he what was happened. sick of regular season baseball that's what it was <laughs> oh yeah baby do no. we have a do we have oh, like right, a rim shot fault. thing there <laughs> they did, they did the light wait move. this one. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But yeah, I'm, so, I'm feeling a lot better. All of you guys are busy with additional stuff beyond Al Scoop, of course. Your Temple students, Rymir is WHIP's program director, interning at the Inquirer, covering Temple for the Inquirer, working with us. Declan is WHIP's general manager, sports editor of the Temple News, working with us here at Al Scoop. Johnny, assistant sports editor at the Temple News, doing stuff for Al Scoop. And also, again, if you're listening for the first time, visiting teams bat boy for the well for the phillies down citizens bank park johnny's told us before he can't talk about inner secrets of these teams you can tell us about the general experience right what's it like you have to like business face you're there for the marlins but Mm. the phillies move on 
after a dominant game two performance in the wild card round, is it just like, hey, I can handle objectivity. I've done this before. Or did you kind of just like go off in your little corner and be like, yes, this is great. Um, I think the the part where it was most difficult, because um, like in the top of the ninth, like I have to be down in the dugout mm-hmm. because once the game's over, I have to clean and get everything out and mm-hmm. get put away all the helmets and everything. So I think that's the toughest because the Marlins brought their own Bat Boy, so I didn't get to actually Bat Boy, which was unfortunate. Oh, so you're just kind of like running other errands. Yeah, so like I'm in the clubhouse. Like during that game, I'm in the clubhouse doing laundry, folding towels, cleaning mm-hmm. shoes, whatever shoes come up, mm-hmm. um, getting the post game spread ready. Um, but the Braves don't bring their own Bat Boy, so I will be on the field for that. Mm-hmm. But for so for that, I'm in the dugout at the top of the ninth. Phillies clinch it. I think that was the part where it's the toughest because the crowd is so insane. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're in the stands. It is times it by 10 on the field, like down where the players are. That's how loud it is. So I think that was the part where it was the toughest. But then up in the clubhouse, I think you kind of just business, like straight face. You can't really show any emotion. Wish we had Kyle on the pod this week because Kyle lived in Athens. He was born in Athens, Georgia, or lived there for a little while, probably both when he was younger. I should know this. I've only been friends with him for more than 10 years. But like, <laughs> Kyle, I mean, he's a he's a Eagles fan. I guess he's a Sixers fan. I guess he's a Flyers fan. Uh, but he is a big Atlanta Braves fan, so we'll see. Yeah. Are you, do you have any hope that they can beat the Braves? I think so. I think the the pitching, the starting pitching is banged up right now with Morton, who I don't think is going to pitch, and Freed has that blister that he's had for a couple weeks now. So I think he, he'll be touch and go. So I think they have a chance. Here we go. We're now a baseball podcast. Oh, yes, yeah, baby. Just a bunch of seam heads sitting That's around right. talking, talking baseball. Yeah. Famous number eights. I mean, a lot, a lot of, of easy baseball, ones here. Speaking of baseball, right? Yeah, I know who you're going to say. Who am I going to say then? Shane Victorino. Flying, flying Hawaiian. Hawaiian. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yep. That's all you got? You're always good for just Your one. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin. Here we go. Is Kirk Cousins number eight? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I think he is. He, he is. is. Yeah. There's like a, Wasn't there's a big one. Kobe was eight. Yes. There we go. They wore number eight. Yeah. Elijah Moore is the only one I could think of right now. I don't know why. Did Kyle Ripken didn't wear eight, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Killing yes. it, Had a boy. Had a boy. I think Yogi Berra wore number eight. Carl Yastrzemski wore number eight. Those are those good are pull. Hall, Hall of Fame baseball players. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no, I know who they are. Yeah, yeah. I used to play as Yogi Berra in MLB 2K12. That's possible. Yes, they had the All Star teams or like yeah. the the all time teams. All right, we promised you guys at the outset of the podcast that you would hear the first four to five minutes of my conversation with Adam Fisher. I got to talk to him earlier this week over at Temple's Pearson McGonagall Hall Basketball Complex. Those of you who are subscribers to alscoop.com, not just the scoop, but alscoop.com will be able to listen to the whole interview. But again, basketball season's right around the corner. Like we said, they're about a month away from opening up against Maryland Eastern Shore. And the part of the interview that you're going to hear here on the podcast, and again, you can you can get this on the website as well. Adam Fisher talked to me about uh, just a couple of roster updates the last time that I had sat down and talked to him for a good 45 minutes or so. That was before they added Sam Hoffman, the transfer from, from Houston Christian. Really kind of an intriguing addition for them. He's about 6'5", 275 or 280. He can bang around inside, but he can shoot the three as well. Again, do I think that they're do I think that Temple is going to be an NCAA tournament team in, in Adam Fisher's first season? No, I don't. It's not an indictment of him or his staff, but by now you guys know who they've lost. They lost Damian Dunn, they lost Jamil Reynolds, they lost Zach Hicks. 
They've lost a lot of talent. But Sam Hoffman, I think, could be an interesting piece for them. Quante Berry, if you're a subscriber to Al Scoop, you know that uh, we'd put some information on our basketball board about him. He was dealing with a wrist injury during the summer. He's back now. So talk to Adam about, in this portion of the interview that you're going to hear here, talking about Sam Hoffman, talking about Quante Berry, talking about just the strongest and weakest areas of the team that he's seen so far. So some good stuff from Adam Fisher here that we will play for you, and then we'll have more on the other side, obviously. It's not new for you to be working with these guys. You know, you work with them during the summer, but is there anything kind of special where you catch yourself saying, okay, now it's preseason practice, my first as a head coach. Is there anything special about it where you look around and say, this is kind of everything I've worked for? I think you get excited, right? You used to have the October 15th, John, so you couldn't yeah. work with your guys. So there was that big excitement building up for that. You know, now I'm excited that you don't have just 45 minutes or an hour. You can, you know, go longer. You can teach more. You slow down a little bit. Um, and then what's been really good is seeing some of the stuff we did put in, mm-hmm. seeing our guys get better at it. So mm-hmm. that's been the exciting part. But it's good. It's exciting to be out there. How much farther along do you feel they are? I know some of the answers probably aren't going to come until you see them in scrimmages and stuff like that. But how how different does it feel now? Yeah, you know, I think it, we have made some huge steps. You know, I think, you know, we we did a lot more offensively this summer than defense. Mm-hmm. And now to start practice, we've done a lot more defense. So that's progressed better than I thought quicker. Uh, offensively, we're starting to get some concepts a little bit better. So it's been fun watching that as we go. But uh, like you said, I think until we see another opponent... We'll, we'll see what it's like. You guys added Sam Hoffman since the last time I talked to you. What, what do you like about him so far, and what was intriguing about him in the portal? Everything. I like his personality. He's a 6'5", old-school big man. He's like 6'5", uh, 280, right? I don't know the exact weight, but, yeah. he, um, but he can pass. He can shoot. Yes, he he's a great leader. He just knows how to play. He's doing things right now that either we did over the summer or we haven't even put in yet and he just does it he's been a great addition just especially personality around campus around our team he's been awesome what about Quante Berry I know I think he was dealing with like a wrist thing in the summer I guess he's fully healthy now yep he's fully go uh, so we're excited to have him back and uh, not on the sideline so he's out there how, how has he progressed I mean he's a guy who hasn't played I mean red shirt of Providence what have you seen from him in the offseason yeah, you know, he's still freshman to us, yeah. so he's, he's going through that, you know, picking up some things and concepts like that, but super talented, can really score. So we're working on, again, some of the concept stuff with him defensively, but we're excited. He's, he's got a lot of talent. About a month away now from the season, again, I know some of these answers will come, but right now, do you have an area where the team has been at its strongest and then an area where they've been at their weakest where you said we really got to work on something here? You know, I think our strongest right now, we've – We've been really doing a much better job of team defense, you know, mm-hmm. helping the helper and doing some things like that and learning our, our system defensively. we got to continue to work on our rebounding. That's something mm-hmm. that we know we've got to do a better job and, and some of the transition stuff, which we know will come. I know you can't talk about who you're scrimmaging, but, like, when you are setting them up, is it fun? Because I know it's not just a straight game. It's situational stuff. Is it kind of fun, strategic, setting that stuff up and saying, hey, we want to work on this. I know you guys want to work on that. You know, it's funny, John. I think they've, they've evolved a little bit over the years. I've been a part of some where you just play a straight 40-minute okay. game. I've uh, been a part of some where you play four quarters, and then you have five situations each, and then you flip. 
I've been a part of some that just do two halves and then maybe an extra five minutes if you want to see some guys go. So they've all varied. I have not spoken to the other two head coaches about what they want to do, but whatever they want to try to work on, I'd be happy to do. And then whatever we're trying, hopefully they'll accommodate to see that. Are you happy with how the schedule played out? Yes, you know, I think it's uh, it's one of the most challenging things to do in college basketball is put together your non-conference schedule, first with dates, then you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out opponents and what was already set, what can you add. So I think we are very excited about how it all came together. So a lot goes into it, a lot behind the scenes, so uh, mm-hmm. we're excited about it. You've talked a lot about wanting to shoot a lot of threes and wanting, you know, wanting to trust guys. Is there a guy so far in these last few months that's made the most amount of progress with the shooting? You know, I think Steve Settle's a guy that we knew could shoot, mm-hmm. um, but he's done a great job getting in the gym on his own, so he's done a nice job. Um, Deuce Roberts is a guy that's made a lot of shots, so uh, I'm happy to see his progress um, with that. And I think, you know, we have some other guys right now, I, I told them that a little bit more consistent, but Jordan Riley and Hussier Miller, they're shooting at a great clip. Just want to see them do that over sustained periods of time. Well, like I said, there's going to be a second part of that Adam Fisher interview that will be available for Alscoop.com subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed to Alscoop.com just yet, Green Titan to do it now with basketball season coming up. A lot of new faces, a lot of new coaches, a lot of new pieces and parts that Adam Fisher is trying to piece together. So there's a lot more there about the roster, about you know what he's seen from Hysir Miller, Steve Settle, other key players on the team what he's expecting from them, where he's seen some improvements. So a lot more than what you heard there. So again, if you have not subscribed yet to alscoop.com, great time to do it. You'll get access to the second part of the interview. Guys, we promised we'd talk some football on this podcast. Obviously, Temple 2-3 and three after the loss last Thursday at Tulsa. We've recapped that game. Now comes Temple's homecoming game on Saturday at Lincoln Financial Field against, I would say, maybe a bit of a tricky UTSA game. They had a great season last year. They're 1-3. and three. They have had injuries. Of course, the, the, one of the biggest storylines heading into the game will be whether or not their quarterback, Frank Harris, plays. Put up great numbers last season. He's been hurt. At one point, his coach says, oh, yeah, last week during their bye week, their head coach, Jeff Trailer said he you know, should be able to play. Now he's sort of saying that he's a game-time decision. They'll know after pregame warm-ups that could be gamesmanship for all we know. But nonetheless, they're one and three, but maybe kind of a they're not as good as last year, obviously. The record shows it, but a little bit of a deceiving one and three. Mir, I'll go to you on this one first. I mean, they've got if if Harris plays, obviously a huge boost for them. They have one of the better young linebackers in the country in Trey Moore. He's got NFL size, NFL ability, has four sacks this year, although three of them came against Texas State. But Mir's got to head out in a little bit, so we're not trying to rush through this, but we want to get his take on this game on Saturday. Any chance that Temple can get things turned around and even its record at 3-3 three and three against this team from what you're seeing? I think the most important thing they have to do is win the important – game situations, which is red zone and third down. UTSA is really good on third down, at least within the conference. They are, I believe, third in conversions and fourth in opponent conversions. So they converted the third most in the conference and they allow it, you know, the fourth least in the conference. And Temple has struggled on third down. So history tells you that they're not going to. Same thing in the red zone. Temple just cannot score when they get to the red zone. 
it's a challenge for them. And you got to put up touchdowns to beat teams, especially a team like UTSA, who I don't think their record is really an indication on how good they are because mm-hmm. I think they've been they've been banged up, obviously. But offensively, they have to run the ball. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing every week. It's the same mm-hmm. song every week with them. They have to be able to run the ball. UTSA isn't. They're a vulnerable run defense, which is a big help because the last two weeks they've played some really good run defenses. I believe Tulsa is second to last in the conference in um, rushing yards allowed. And Miami, I believe, is what, like second in the nation. So mm-hmm. it, they weren't going to run the ball against those two teams anyway. This week they had to Tulsa was second ready. best in the conference in rushing yards allowed. Um, you mean second fewest? In terms of allowed rushing yards. Gotcha, okay. They they weren't going to be able to run the ball against those teams, mm-hmm. two teams anyway, which is why I think they, they started off the game the way they did, quick passes to the tight ends and things like that. Let me ask you this, though. What gives us any indication other than maybe another week of practice that anything's going to change? Because, again, I think fans sort of get this but don't get this. They'll say every week, asking ask this question, ask that question. Players aren't going to sell out. Their other players They're not going to sell out their teammates. The offensive line isn't going to. We haven't talked to an offensive lineman in a couple of weeks pregame or heading into in the week uh, heading into the game. But Jaquez Smith, it's a lot of the same stuff. Like, hey, we got to hit our gaps better. We got to like be assignment sound, all that stuff. I'm paraphrasing, but they're not going to say anything that we haven't heard before. But the line they have is the line they have, and it's been banged up. And they've tried different combinations. They played like John Fagley, a walk on, has seen more snaps this year than we thought he has. We've talked ad nauseum about how the right side of the line has been great. Left side of the line is young. They're not getting the push that they need. What gives us any belief that things are going to change this week heading into this game? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I'm a big, I need to see it first before Mm -hmm. I can believe that, you know, you can actually do it. And up until this point, they have not been able to run the ball unless it was against Norfolk State. In my, I'm gonna plug myself in my preview for UTSA in the Enquirer. I have a stat that says they have more. They had more yards in the Norfolk State game than they've had in the last in the four other games they've played this year. Yeah. So I don't believe that they can, but they have an easier challenge this week. And then getting well, getting back to the third down stuff on the other side of the ball. I mean, they are just—they've just been decimated on the defensive line since we last recorded. Everybody knows by now, Alan Hay, the Miami transfer, who was really starting to play well, had a sack in the in the Tulsa game. We talked last week about how he had that sack, got hurt, didn't look good. Worst fears confirmed for him and the team. He's out for the year. That's now three three starters. I, I would I would have to assume that Demerick Morris is going to start. KJ Miles, the Georgia Tech transfer, is probably going to be in the mix there. That's a decimated defensive line. That I mean, they're just really. I mean, as cliche and cliche and cliche as it sounds, they're they're beat up and or not playing well on both line of scrimmages. And anybody who says the football's won in the trenches and so on and so forth, I mean that they're just either inexperienced or really hurt, especially on the defensive line. And there's a mailbag question down the line that we'll get to. But how much does Alan Hay being out hurt them? They were already not good before Hay got yeah. hurt. Now they're even worse and that mm-hmm. hay is hurt. So it is very important for them to find some kind of scheme, system, play calls that work when you know you don't have the necessary 
manpower, I guess, to stop the run, rush the passer. It and I believe Stan talked about it in his Monday pressure, like it takes everybody essentially. The safety's got to play better, linebackers got to play better in terms of um, run fits and things like that. So if if they want to be able to stop the run this week, it starts with not the first level, but the second level. Mm-hmm. Jordan McGee, if Yavandi Rigby is back, um, DJ Woodbury, all of these guys have to, you know, be gap sound. And when if they are gap sound, it it should help a lot because I don't I don't think their defense is really a um I think the defensive line is really take take up space and allow right the um linebackers to fill and to come up and tackle. Yeah, you've it's, got you've got a guy like Lance Nateray who is what he is. He's six six, two seventy. Conlon Green is a true freshman who this guy has never he is what he is. And maybe down the road, Conlon Green becomes a pretty good football player. But he, at this point last year, he was playing high school football in, in Western Pennsylvania. And it, it's a shame for them when, when injuries decimate you like this. But, yeah, it sounds like that's really the only option they have is like, okay, we got to lend more and run support there. Again, mailbag question about this in terms of like base formations and stuff like that. But do we have a prediction out of you before before you got to run out of here? Yeah, I think UTSA wins. At least just <laughs> throw me your voice. Yeah, thank you, TSA. It's, it's hard for me to predict a win at this point when the last few games they just haven't played well on either side of the ball. Will it be closer than the last two games? I think so because UTSA has struggled. 27-20. It's close. Is that a 27-20 game where Temple closes the gap near the end or it's like neck and neck the whole time? Yeah, I think they close the gap at the end. They might get like a little pity touchdown. A pity touchdown. Field gold or something. Well, now the Temple football fan base is energized after Ramirez's prediction. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) it's got to go out down the middle. Uh, Johnny, Declan, Johnny, I know your your, your head is swimming with with baseball. Declan, your head is swimming with just uh, a bad New York Giants offensive line and now I've emotionally disassociated from that team, so yeah, I'm all good. <laughs> That's a good idea. Thank you. That's a good idea for you. I, I don't know of any other question to ask here other than again, we talked about the fact that both offense and the offensive and defensive lines are beat up. We've talked about EJ Warner and what he needs to do better, but how everything else, everything else around him is just is dependent on you know or has a hand in his success. I'll throw the same question to you guys. Do you think there's any chance of things changing for this Temple football team this week? Again, on paper, you look at, at UTSA's record, they're one and three. But again, we've talked about the fact that if Frank Harris plays, that's a big difference for them. He was a, a very good quarterback last year. In the two games that, that he has played this year, uh, I mean, had a rough game against Houston. I mean, again, through a couple games, 44 of 73. Completed 60% of his passes, two touchdowns, three picks. So got off to a rougher start. But again, he's been hurt. If he is anything like he was last year where he completed close to 70% of his passes, more than 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns versus nine picks, he was very good. Again, this is a guy that when he was playing at his best last year can really run the ball as well. 600 yards rushing, nine rushing touchdowns. So Obviously, a big difference. We, we, he's done it before, even though his stats from this year don't look good combined with the injuries. But we're not in practice every day. We get very limited time, 15 minutes once a week, talk to players, talk to Stan Drayton. Some of the same themes have persisted. Any reason for you guys to think, even just in your gut, any sort of 
Declan or Johnny intuition that would tell you that anything might change for Temple this week? Uh, not really. I mean, UTSA, like Mir said, has struggled this year, and their statistics prove that. But I think they have a lot of talent on the field that hasn't really shown in the stat book. Mm-hmm. and a lot of talent that doesn't really match up well with what Temple has. Uh, it is. it is. It's like what Mir said. I mean, you, you, they have a lot to prove to me before I can have enough faith to say, okay, they'll turn it around at least for a bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a lot that needs to happen on the field, especially stopping the run. 124th out of 130 FBS teams right now oh in defending the run. Not great. No, no. no. And... I think there's a lot as well in terms of injuries that are question marks. You know, Ahmad Anderson went down toward the end of the, the game on Thursday. He's day-to-day. Right. Dante Wright, day-to-day. Ian Stewart, I think he has about three or so weeks left in his mm-hmm. injury based on his original timetable. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what that'll look like. Um, so I, it's there's a lot of uncertainty for me to be able to say, oh, yeah, you know, one way or the other, but... I'm I'm tending to lean toward there isn't really much they can do and maybe they'll they'll pull off two or three or four more wins but you know even that there's going to be larger issues kind of along with what Declan Ramirez said but we've talked about how both teams have struggled but UTSA has shown promise in the past last mm-hmm. year and I think that is why like it gives me it makes me think that UTSA will be able to turn it around against Temple and makes me think you know, Temple, I don't, I don't really see a chance for them to kind of fix their mistakes. Yeah, and again, uh, as Temple has struggled, obviously, to run the ball, the the offensive line has struggled. Again, I mentioned Trey Moore earlier in the conversation here. Again, really one of the better young linebackers in the country. He's 6'3", 235. Last year uh, was, a, I think, a freshman All-American by, by a couple of publications a really, really good young football player who is now again four sacks this year. Three came against Texas State, but put up some really good numbers last year. A really, really good find for them, and a guy that can be versatile, but is really good too in supporting the run. And I'm not, you know, I don't. I think we kind of got away from doing official predictions for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, because I mean, we kind of assumed last week it was it was pretty much a wash in terms of what we thought. So yeah, that kind of you know lent itself. I could, I could also see like a like a like a twenty eight twenty one twenty seven twenty game where I think that look I think Temple has talent on this roster at the beginning of the year I thought they would be capable of winning six games and getting to a bowl game I know injuries happen I didn't expect I, I didn't think that their defensive line was going to be a huge huge strength for them we didn't know what Allen Hay would be KJ Miles was good enough to be recruited to, to Georgia Tech we've seen flashes from Demeric Morris but I didn't think that their defensive line would get gutted like this. The offensive line has been worse than we thought it would be. Again, a big part of it's just inexperience, them not having a, a lot of difference-making players on that line. But then again, you factor injuries into it. You factor injuries in at the receiver position. I think Temple bounces back with a stronger effort on Saturday. I don't see them doing enough to, to win the game, so I think I could see something – Similar like a 28-21 game. You can, of course, uh, you guys might be listening to this on Friday. You can check out our our game day preview from Zach Silverstein. We'll probably see you guys in Lock K before the game. Yeah, come by. For, uh, for homecoming, we'll be there for Al Scoop. But like we said here, Johnny, Declan, Ramir all work for various student media outlets here at Temple. So we hope to see a lot of you guys in Lock K for the game. Now we'll get to our mailbag. bag. 
that intro there that you're hearing, I don't know, to me it sounds like a, a mixture of uh, the Jim Blossoms and Blink-182 and the Goo Goo Dolls. It's incredible. Three bands that it's... I know you guys listen to constantly. Oh, yeah. Johnny's a huge fan. I am. Big Blink-182 guy? No, you're not a fan of any <laughs> no. of these bands, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I'll walk through Johnny's apartment and There's like... Just posters everywhere. Well, right? no, I was thinking that I hear like, you know... All the small things don't when ever, I walk in. Don't ever do that again. I thought it was great. You know I love you. I thought it was great. You guys don't know anything from the Jim Blossoms? Like, hey, Jealousy? No, I know that one. There you go. Anyway, we have brought you guys another mailbag. I should say you guys have brought us another mailbag because you have sent us a uh, hefty amount of questions once again. You guys are, are emoting. You have questions. You have thoughts. You have concerns. We are here to address them. We're not here to fix them. No. But well, like I said, we're here to listen. Yes. Declan and I, I, I'm working with Declan on being an active listener. Oh. Working with me? I am a very good active he listener. Is a, he's a good listener. He Johnny, a, do you think you're a good listener? I think I can be a good listener. Yeah, I, think, I agree I think, with that. I think Declan's, I, I learn from Declan when it comes to listening. Yeah. We can all always get better at everything. That's right. There we go. Way to smooth out the rough edges there yeah. with a general yeah. statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we meant to get to this mailbag question last week, but it's still... Yeah, is very timely and pertinent to what we're talking to now. This first one comes from Rockland Al, one of our longtime subscribers at alscoop.com. Rockland Al is the screen name, of course. Question here, I would like to have your analysis of what you've seen from the staff and their halftime adjustments as well as Stan Drayton's clock management and seeming reluctance to use timeouts at the end of the first half. So let's get to the timeouts thing. I know that's what a lot of people want to talk about. Yeah, they didn't use, they didn't use timeouts. We're flashing back two weeks ago to the Miami game. Yeah, as they're driving down and driving down, I think a lot of us are sitting in the press box saying, yes, you're going to use a timeout. He didn't, asked about it after the game, and Stan said, you know, I I thought it was working. We had momentum there. I think, you know, looking back at it, you could say, hey, okay, on the flip side of it, if you call a timeout there and you're driving on a team that you know, just personnel-wise, talent-wise, is better than you, Yes, you need to, theoretically, you need to call a timeout to stop the clock. If you do that, the downside of it is you give my you give Miami time to set themselves and say, oh, these guys are actually driving the ball on us here. And I don't think that Mario Cristobal came in thinking that Temple was just awful and they were going to walk all over them, although they they beat them soundly. But they're still Division One players. You still have E.J. Warner. You've still got some good players. And that was their lone scoring drive of the day. I understand where Stan is coming from and saying, hey, let's keep the ball moving. And yeah, it worked out. They scored a touchdown. Do I think that the staff could do better with with time management and keeping an eye on their timeouts? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, fourth downs are always interesting as well Mm -hmm. because he is a very aggressive coach when it comes to going for fourth downs, and and sometimes that really pays off. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better to be more aggressive than it is to not be as aggressive, especially Mm -hmm. on fourth downs, especially with the team, you know, like, the personnel you have, they're not going to go out and be world beaters, right? So you have to take every opportunity that's presented. And I, I appreciate that. I like that a lot. Sometimes, though, sometimes you just got to punt or sometimes you got to take the points, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head, but there have definitely been times. I mean, I immediately flash back to Rutgers last year, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the they were down in inside the red zone in like the second quarter. I think, and they kicked the, or they went for um, fourth down instead of kicking the field goal, and then they end up losing by two. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, butterfly effect and things like that, if you believe in that. You can't understand what the scenario at the end of the game is going to be 
in the moment, but I don't know. Sometimes like sometimes it pays to be less aggressive as well. So I think I think there are times that that it could benefit them to be, you know, a little more conservative on the offensive side of the ball, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Conservative in terms of how aggressive they are in terms in cer- of yeah, yeah, in in terms of fourth going forward on fourth down. Halftime adjustments, every game's been different. I mean, uh, halftime adjustments were really, uh, the game was, well, against Rutgers, it wasn't too far gone. I think they have made certain adjustments. Again, this wasn't a halftime adjustment, Rockland now, but again, coming out against Tulsa, they went tempo, they went no huddle. They're trying to get the quick passing game going. I thought that was a very good way to start the game and a smart way to start the game. It's just that you can't. You can't do that all game. Again, inherently, this is on the coaches. I think I said this last week. We are not absolving the coaches of all responsibility here. At the end of the day, it is up to them to prepare the team. They recruit these players. They bring these. They haven't brought all these players in. Some of these are, are holdovers, of course. But I think that they have done a decent job sometimes on on adjustments, be it halftime, be it how they adjust the way they handle their first drive and all the other cliche stuff we've talked about. Slow start, slow start, slow starts. Well, they didn't necessarily get off to a slow start in terms of how they moved the ball last week, but they're just set up right now between injuries and talent to run out of gas in key areas on both sides of the ball to where I think all of the scheming and all of the halftime adjustments and time management in the world, I don't want to say it's not going to help them, but again, like the way they decided to move the ball on their first drive last week, but again, you can't necessarily do that all game. So, yeah. Rockland out, I think they use a lot of work there, but I think that's only part of the problem. Next question here. This is from Twitter from uh, at Matt Debs, another one of our longtime listeners. <laughs> His Twitter name is Matt GPT. I thought that was pretty funny. Can Diane Richardson coach the football team? More Diane Richardson love. Hope, hopefully we'll, we'll get her on the podcast at some point. Again, she had a rough season in her first season with the Temple Women's Basketball Program, but we've talked about the momentum she started to create on the recruiting front. So, um, yeah, I yeah. was going to say, I don't yeah. know if she could coach, coach the football team, but she could definitely recruit for it. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. She'd give her their best try. Yeah. I, you know, she's charismatic, she could... fun to be around. Yeah. So, a little yeah. tribute to Diane Richardson there. Um, next question here from Firefly Dave is the screen name from our message boards. Another long time Al Scoop subscriber. Your thoughts on the Mike Jensen piece on NIL in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Your thoughts on the status of athletics at Temple. Do you agree with many of us that the athletics department at Temple, athletics at Temple, is in a dire situation? Read the Mike Jensen piece, thought it was very fairly written, fairly reported. We've been talking about NIL week after week after week. Temple is behind its peers, and we're not talking about you know the, the halves of the college football world, of the college basketball world, like, like Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky, like Penn State, USC, Alabama, all that stuff. But they have work to do there on a lot of different fronts. Do I think that, that Temple Athletics is in a dire situation? I think that they're up against a lot of budget constraints. They're up against a lot of, a lot of change uh, in terms of coaching turnover and stuff like that. But yeah, Temple Athletics, the, the, the department's been in better shape before. And Arthur Johnson has a lot of work to do. And a lot of times, I'm not, I'm not saying that I talked to Arthur Johnson and he says this, but a lot of times people will say, hey, winning helps. Winning cures a lot of stuff. That's true. But to win, you need to get the players in here. It's been said ad nauseum. Better NIL resources, more progress in that area, of course, will help 
Diane Richardson. It will help Stan Drayton. It will help Adam Fisher. It will help the non-revenue sports too. So yeah, Firefly Dave, I don't have any super enlightening stuff beyond that. I, I like Mike Jensen. Some people give me uh, a lot of crap on our message boards. They think that Mike, uh, some people are convinced that he went to Villanova. Although I've told people a million times, no, he went to Vanderbilt, not Villanova. I think Mike does a really fair job. Yeah, and it's part of an ongoing series about NIL. He's talked about Villanova, all the city schools, thought it was fairly reported. But yeah, what else can we say other than the fact that they need more NIL resources on a bunch of different fronts and it will help them on the recruiting fronts there. Esther Boyer, another screen name from our message boards. Looking into your crystal ball, what is the state of Temple Athletics in four years? I mean, oh, you're doing, I was like, what are you doing? I thought you were giving me some sort of. Esther Boyer asked us the question. I thought you were giving me some sort of weird like producer signal. I'm like, what is he doing? No, no, I'm not that advanced. Is he hallucinating? What is he, what is he doing here? Is he asking for cookies? He's, you know. I wish. I would like some cookies. Cookies would slap right now that's uh, what I'm saying. <laughs> Esther Boyer I get it look I mean yes like I said before the budget's not in great shape the the teams aren't your 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 football team isn't winning your women's basketball team is again I, I we're big fans of Diane Richardson think she's a good coach think she's a good recruiter they're heading into their second year with Diane and her staff Adam Fisher I think I I I think Adam will be a relentless recruiter. I think he's assembled a staff that will help him in that area. But this is his first year. They've lost a lot. We talked about that. It's hard to see where they're going to be in four years without knowing who the new president is going to be, who the athletic director is going to be at that time, what the leadership is going to be like in the city at that point, what might change in terms of conference realignment. There are just way too many variables there and i'm not trying to project temple to the acc or the big 12 or anything like that and giving people false hope but yeah they're not headed in a generally positive direction right now but i get it i and i said this last week people with means and anybody who's capable of helping again i think sometimes and the fan base is part of it's not just the fan base it's a lot of things but sometimes fans say oh they lost the game well i'm gonna like i'm gonna take my donation off the table and that's just not the way to go but yeah i don't think things are headed in a generally positive direction right now i i i'm not the type of person to project doom and gloom i i I am i'm hardwired into taking things a step at a time a day at a time a week at a time yeah they need a lot of help they need to win they need to you know in terms of fundraising in terms of nil dollars we know where they are right now and they're not any generally positive place a lot could change in four years, so it's hard for me to say, but a lot of work needs to be done. Next question here comes from the screen name Stapler01. That's a new one. Appreciate your message board question here. Appreciate your mailbag question. Stapler01's question is, how are we preparing? How is Temple preparing not knowing which quarterbacks we will face? This is what defenses, this is what football coaches do. It's not always a given that you're going to be play, you know, you're going to be facing a certain player at a certain time each week. I'm sure that the coaches are well aware of the fact that there's a very, very good chance that Frank Harris is going to play. But I'm also sure that they've watched film on Eddie Lee. They've probably watched, you know, they've watched film on Owen McCown. So they'll have to be prepared for those guys if they play, whether it, whether one of them starts, whether, well, I mean, if Frank Harris, for whatever reason, tweaks something pregame and they say, well, we, we can't, we can't go with him, you know, they, this is what defenses and coaches have to do. They have to prepare for for multiple quarterbacks. Can't really 
can't really say much more beyond that. And if they're not prepared, I mean, obviously, post game, if Stan Drayton and his staff are saying, oh, yeah, gosh, we didn't really know what Owen McCown was capable of, or we didn't know what Eddie Lee was capable of. Or, sorry, Eddie Lee Marburg. If you're caught flat footed defending those guys, then yeah, then you're doing a, a bad job of okay. coaching. But I'm sure that they have watched film on all those guys. And what are, what are you laughing about? Sorry. When, when you were making your point, and uh, you looked at Johnny and you were like, you know, I'm sure. And then he went, yep. And like pointed <laughs> at you. <laughs> it just made me laugh. It's a good moment. A look at how the sausage is made here. Although yeah. that's not really any <laughs> not sort really. of like. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I'm just I was trying to think of something funny to say and it fell flat footed. So <laughs> look, we all have our bad weeks. We have a bad week. giving you applause right now. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate yes. it. That's my, my Trey Turner. Standing ovation moment. Yeah. And now I'll be vaulted now to you. Now you just got to finish the rest of the episode strong. Yeah. Yeah. Except I'm not a Major League Baseball shortstop who makes uh, 300 <laughs> A few more mailbag questions here to, to finish things out. Cool Hand Red is the screen name here from one of our um, one of our subscribers. With the depleted defensive line, does it make sense to go to a 4-3 rather than a 3-4 defensive scheme? I mean, the most simple answer to this question is that I think, and, and Cool Hand Red, I've never met you before. At least I don't think I have. But... It's fairly simple for teams to start in a base 3-4. They bring other guys up to the line. I mean, they're, they're, they're well aware of that. I mean, it's scheme adjusts to that. You know, it doesn't mean that they line up with three defensive linemen and four linebackers every at the start of every game, every single play. So I, I hear where you're coming from there. But like we were talking about earlier with Rymir, you know, in supporting the run, the linebackers are going to have to help yeah. there. Maybe the safeties are, are going to have to help there, whether it's Alex Odom, Taiwan Francis, so on and so forth. So it's not so much a, oh gosh, you know, they're playing a 3-4 on every single down. Maybe it would help to go to a 4-3. You, you got to have the pieces for the 4-3. And again, they're just they're just depleted with the injuries. Leighton Jordan's an outside edge rusher. He has not played well this year. Just hasn't. I mean, he's not a run-stopping guy. He's more of a get-out-on-the-edge, rush-the-passer type of guy. But They'll adjust there. Uh, it doesn't so much just come down to 4-3 versus 3-4. Next mailbag question here. Temple fan Al. Looks like rain is going to be a factor here. More or less fans than the Miami game. Wait, it's supposed to rain Saturday? Uh, I think there's a chance yeah, of there's rain. A, I think it's uh, like a 60-70% chance. That's unfortunate. See, 67% chance 60, or 60-70? I was going to say 67, chance. very precise. I was very impressed. That's two-thirds chance. Yeah. Johnny has always told us that his second passion beyond baseball and sports media is meteorology. Oh, 100%. I oh, yeah. took a meteorology course in high school. I was just kidding. I didn't even that know that. actually makes total sense. I didn't even know that. I did. Wow. I like I, I my my biggest thing is like whenever like during school I'd read the radars for if it was going to snow and then I would like Put on your boots, kids. If we were to have a snow, uh, guess if we were had hopes of going to the King of Prussia yeah. mall, they've been dashed. <laughs> First week of the year. Is it going to snow? <laughs> Get out there and make that snowman, have that snowball fight, live life to the fullest. Johnny Radar. That's right. Johnny Radar. I like that. <laughs> Mike Modric, my former Al Scoop assistant editor. Mike, if you're listening to this, the weird things stick out in your head. You interview recruits. You remember names. You remember weird things they say. Mike did a recruiting story on a running back that never ended up coming to Temple. His name was Carlton Kuntz. I think he might have gone to an FCS program. And one of his quotes to Mike was, I'm intrigued by thunderstorms. And we just, we, years <laughs> later, years later, we remember this. And now we have an alscoop.com staff member who's also intrigued by thunderstorms. And John oh, well, thunderstorms. 
You're not intrigued by no, thunderstorms? Snowstorms. 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 Thunderstorms are... we talked about. You about heard it here first, Johnny. Listener. So Wizlack is saying it's going to snow on Saturday. That's no. right. That is no. right. I mean, honestly, all joking aside, well, let's say if rain is a factor, if he becomes a huge factor and EJ Warner known to get asked once or 75 times about wearing a glove, he's... <laughs> I, I think he can adjust to the rain, but... If they have to run the ball because the conditions are slippery, no, doesn't bode well for Temple. But I don't know that it's going to be a huge factor. More or less fans the Miami game. I think it'll be a better crowd. It's homecoming. People are coming back for more than just the football game. So I think you'll see a better crowd than the Miami game. The Miami crowd, look, Miami's fan base travels well. The weather was terrible. I wasn't expecting it to be a great crowd. It's a shame if it was beautiful weather. I think you would have seen a decent crowd there. I'm going to say a better crowd. Yeah, the real question is whether or not he'll get a haircut before the game. But I think um, I think there are a lot of Miami fans that showed up to the Temple-Miami game as well. Like yeah. the whole near side from where we were in the press box was Miami fans. So mm-hmm. I think that is something to take into consideration even on the, uh, the rainy day. So I think there'll be more Temple fans than there were at that game. But yeah. I think the stadium will probably be a little little more empty. I, I do think there will be more fans. I think P- – I think – people seeing that there's a chance of rain the people that are on the fence might kind of second guess it and you it won't be as many as it could be i don't think yeah that's yeah. fair uh final question to close things out here this uh comes from the screen name lone star 2000 lots of questions here getting at the injuries why so many injuries is it a result of an inadequate strength and conditioning program playing slower undersized players versus opponents who are bigger and faster the schemes we are running on defense and or offense are the practice sessions too tough and causing injuries bad luck or a combination of all these things i i, I think it's bad luck i i think stan drayton and his staff and he'll, he'll say it a lot they they are like they they look at data they look at fitness data i don't think this i don't think stan drayton and his staff are a college football staff that turns back the clock to 1980 and they say we're gonna I mean, first of all you have you have restrictions on how often you can practice anyway I think it's bad luck. I really do. I mean, Ahmad Anderson, if he doesn't play this week, it's going to be because of bad luck. There's a guy who's going up in the air trying to make a heck of a catch when his team is is has no chance of winning. And so you look at the film there, and if I'm a Temple fan, if I'm you, Lone Star 2000, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, I'm ticked. My team's not winning. My school's not winning. But he's still trying to go up in the air to get a ball. He's not showing any lack of effort. It's just bad luck. He comes down, lands awkwardly on his foot. He's day-to-day. Alan Hay, that's just bad luck. It's it's just bad luck. I don't think there is anything inadequate about their strength and conditioning program. I don't think it's a case of freshmen getting overmatched and just blown away. I don't think it's anything scheme-related. I think it's it's just bad luck. I mean, uh, these are age-old questions that get pursued over and over again at the NFL level, at the college level, at the high high school level, how much is too much, how little is too little. I really think it's bad luck. I, I mean, if we were hearing something reputable about the strength and conditioning program where we thought there were major concerns there, I would say so. I don't, I don't think that players and I think even some parents had the highest opinion of the previous strength and conditioning staff. I don't think that there was like gross negligence or anything like that, but I think that Stan has a pretty solid staff there. I just, you know, doesn't sound like the controversial answer, but we're not here to give controversial yeah. controversial answers unless unless there's integrity to them. No, I just think it's it's a shame. It's it's bad luck. Injuries happen. It, they've been again. They've been really really gutted on the defensive line, and any area is going to hurt you. But 
you know, I, I think these guys hydrate. I think they work out, but I don't, I don't ever hear anything about, you know, players being overworked. Just really think it's bad luck. Unless yeah. you guys have, uh, unless you guys want to have a dissenting opinion there. No, I mean, it's football. I, these yeah. things happen. That's all it is. I think more than anything else, you know, it's unfortunate. It really is, but it's part of the game. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this week for Declan Landis, who was wearing his Jamie, Jamie Moyer, Moyer. Uncle Jamie. Jamie Moyer jersey. Johnny, who's just had more baseball than he can than he can contend with right now for Ramir. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining us for another week. Next week, we'll be back to talk about this football team. Again, a reminder, if you have not subscribed to alscoop.com yet. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, you can hear the second portion of my conversation with Adam Fisher. Again, we'll be talking a lot more basketball in the coming weeks as both Adam Fisher's and Diane Richardson's teams get prepared for their respective season openers next month. Thank you all for listening and subscribing. We'll talk to you soon.